Welcome inside a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Stephen Inman, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer to the stars, Chris Brito. The fourth season of the All Hoops Podcast begins right now with what is the busiest week of the year in the NBA. All-stars are being traded all over the league, and we have an NBA draft just one day away. Chris and I will discuss these latest blockbuster trades, and then we'll welcome in a special guest. But before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, happy to be talking about crazy NBA deals, the draft, instead of, you know, talking about coronavirus. How are you, my friend? Hey, Stevie. So the day that will decide the future of the Knicks is almost here. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll find out, you know, who the Knicks will add to their core. You know, I think we'll have a better idea of what type of coach Tibbs will be, depending on who we pick. Um, And just quite frankly, like, this is the most important date in the Knicks fan calendar. Um, we know we're probably not going to make the playoffs. And right now, you know, it's a developing team. And I'm not expecting them to, you know, go far in the season, which is okay. You know, we're part of the we're – on, we're on for the ride here. So there's a few players I like, and we're, we'll get into that in a bit. But the trades that happened overnight yesterday – and yesterday during the day, you know, are really shifting in favor of the Bucks. Yeah, Chris, I'm really excited to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. We talked about them last week about how they're my biggest storyline team to watch this offseason. And what do they do right when trades open up? They trade three first round picks and two pick swaps, Chris, and a deal with the Pelicans for Drew Holiday. There is no bigger Drew Holiday fan than me, but Chris, This is either the move that gets Giannis to sign the Supermax or the most desperation decision I've ever seen in the NBA. Because if Giannis leaves, Drew Holiday is also a free agent in the year. Chris, they'll have no picks for the decade. But at the same time, they bring in Drew Holiday. It's also incredible they got Bogdan Bogdanovich to sign in a sign and trade without much cap space or assets to give up. So they might have the best starting five in the NBA right now. They're going to have to fill out this bench and we'll have to see how they play in the playoffs. That's how they'll be judged. But Chris, if they get Giannis to sign the Supermax now, I really believe this was all worth it. Yeah, and I think that as as the Bucks, you have to do whatever possible to keep Giannis happy. You don't have a you don't get a player like this, you know, maybe you get him once maybe every 10 years, maybe once every 20 years. Like we haven't had that franchise-altering player in, I don't even remember. I think maybe Patrick Ewing was the last one. In any case, the Bucks did the right thing here, and and the players that they added will complement Giannis really well, especially with the shooting. You know, these are, you know, just uh, Holiday is a, is a two-way player. He can play defense. He can play three. He can um, really facilitate as a secondary playmaker, um, and really open things up for Chris Middleton as well. Uh, we forget about him sometimes, but he's like the number two. And he, you know, he's also a very important piece of the puzzle. And Bogdanovich, you know, another shooter, proven guy in, in the Euro League. I love these pieces for them. And quite frankly, you can't really bet on on first round picks in the future. Like, even if this goes Ari, like, you did everything possible 
to make Giannis happy. I don't know what else you could want. Yeah, it it reminds me a lot of the Cavs situation the first time LeBron was thinking about leaving there where they make all these win-now moves. I like these moves the Bucks are making a lot better than I like those Cavs moves back then. But you make all these win-now moves, you don't win now, LeBron leaves, you have no draft picks for the next few years, and you're, you're, you're screwed. But I think here they don't make these deals without thinking Giannis was going to sign the Supermax, I believe. And so because of that, I think these are good moves. We'll have to wait and see on that. Let's move on to the Chris Paul trade. Chris, look, I get it. Nobody wants to be irrelevant forever like the Suns have been. But when all said and done, I really believe the Thunder will have won this trade. They get Kelly Oubre, a really interesting wing who I've liked for a while. They get Rubio, who's a stopgap point guard who can help, you know, Shea Gilgis. You know, they, they move on from Chris Paul's big money. And most importantly, they get a first-round pick. For a team that's going to be in the middle of the pack in a in 2022, which is considered the double draft, where you have the high school players likely being eligible for the first time in a couple of decades, along with a really good college group. So, Chris, the the Thunder keep loading up, and I think this is exactly what I want our Knicks to be doing. <laughs> yeah, and you know here here we see another example of Sam Presti robbing another team of its future. Um, you know, we saw him pull this off against the Clippers last year. And now, you know, the Thunder are basically set up for, for the next decade. And they already have some young pieces now. And with the Suns, sure, it's probably a good deal for next year. But, you know, a lot of it hinges on Chris Paul's health. If Chris Paul isn't healthy, this team doesn't even make the playoffs. There's a lot of things to be concerned about if you get Chris Paul hit. Hey, he's the type of guy who will elevate the players on the floor, and I believe that. Um, it just really closes the window for the Suns, and I think that's the— It shortens the window for the Suns. It shortens the window. Sorry, yeah. Because the, right. the window is now open. The window for them to compete for a playoff spot is now. Yes. So this window, rather than them building toward the future, really, they have— what, a two, three-year window? Maybe two years. Left. Chris Paul's got two years left on his deal. He'll be in his late 30s by then. And and selfish, you know what? Chris Paul has grown on me, and selfishly, I want this trade not to work out because, you know, the Knicks have rumored interest in Devin Booker. I mean, so do almost every team in the NBA, but um, it would bode well for us if that team doesn't work out and then he wants a trade. Um, but... Who knows? You know, if if the Suns make the playoffs, maybe that makes him happy. Maybe he'll be more inclined to stay. But, you know, Chris Paul will definitely make that team better for the now. It's a very interesting move, Chris, because it makes the Suns a more or less a playoff team. But, you know, Chris Paul has been hurt for for the last five years. The year he was not hurt was last year. And now all of a sudden you're banking on him having full health in a year where it's going to be up and down with COVID and a, a weird schedule on a 72-game season, you're not going to be able to play them 72 games, Chris. And so you're going to need him to play a majority of these games to make the playoffs, and I don't know if they can count on that. And that's my concern here where, you know, if he misses 20 games, is that enough to knock them out of the, a loaded West? Yeah, you know what? I, I think in a loaded West, Literally, you cannot have big losing streaks. It's going to be really difficult to climb up in the standings. And we don't know what the schedule looks like yet. So it may be like heavily conference-based. And 
that could ultimately be the decider and the Suns making the playoffs or not. Um, and then one one final point on Presti. He was able to optimize one year of Chris Paul where he, he was fortunately healthy, fortunately playing at an all-star caliber level, and really get a huge haul for him. Especially especially for those the first round picks that could turn out to be uh, pivotal players or core pieces for this team in the future. Yeah, I mean, on a future show, we'll talk about what the Thunder can get with these players, but it seems like any player that's available, the Thunder, when they want to be, can be in discussions because they have a treasure trove of assets. They have a young guard in Shea Gillis-Alexander that other stars would want to play with. They've shown in the past that they're willing to take care of their stars, and when those stars don't want to be there anymore, they work with them to find them the trade that they want to go to. So, Chris, it makes all the sense in the world. And now, speaking of former guys that Thunder have traded, James Harden, Chris. This is the shocking thing to me of the entire offseason so far. James Harden wants out. He wants to go to Brooklyn. He wants, you know, to move on from what's going on in Houston. They, they lost Daryl Morey, and... Look, should the should the Rockets and will the Rockets move James Harden before the season? I think they should. I think uh, they've already, they can't be one foot in and one foot out at this rebu- rebuilding process. I think you want to try to get the most you can out of James Harden and Russell Westbrook, but you know obviously the latter has much more limited suitors. Uh, with James Harden, I think it's a great opportunity for for the Rockets and uh, their new coach to really uh, turn over a new leaf and like start fresh uh they tried it in houston it didn't work out you know pair harden with Embiid. uh you trade simmons away and some of their young pieces and i think the sixers might be a top three team of the east um, as well as being a, a finals contender so there's a lot to consider with that um but if if i'm houston i'm trading them i'm trading him to the sixers and now I wouldn't want to help him out either, necessarily with um, putting him with the Nets and, and reuniting him with another former, another former Thunder player in uh, KD. And and quite frankly, the Nets don't have too much to offer. You know, you have a uh, Karis LeVert, who is an incredible player. He could take over for you for in games, um, but he's always injured. Um, I believe he is uh, 25, 20, 24. But anyway, he's injury prone. Their center, Jared Allen, he's going to have a big payday coming up, and you can offer some first-round picks. But is that enough for James Harden? I think the only player comparable is is maybe Ben Simmons. Yeah, Chris, I think for the Nets, it's interesting because if he gets traded to the Nets, you're going to see what player empowerment really means because he turns down the $50-plus million offer, two years, $104 million extension. And he wants to go to Brooklyn, a team that does not clearly have the most assets to go out and get him. You know, Karis LeVert, a nice young player. He's 26 years old. But, Chris, he's injury prone. He's only got two years left on his deal. Spencer Dinwiddie, another good young player. Maybe not that young, but he's a good player who is still in the prime of his career. He's up for a $100 million payday at the end of uh, this upcoming season. you got, you know, Jared Allen who is looking for Clint Capella money. He's a free agent at the end of the season. So, Chris, while these players are all useful pieces who can make Houston competitive right away, they're all guys you have to pay right now. And I don't really want to max out my payroll with a group of pretty good role players when I have a chance to go out and get 
Ben Simmons out of Philly. Maybe you can go get Jamal Murray in Denver. Could you go? We just mentioned Oklahoma City. That's the only trade that Sam Presti's really ever lost. Could Sam Presti trade half these draft picks to go get James Harden back and say, hey, the biggest trade mistake I ever made, I just undid it with Harden still in his prime. I think those are all much, much better options for from a Houston perspective than than just trading him to Brooklyn because he just feels like going to hang out with Durant. Unless all of a sudden they say, okay, we'll move Kyrie in the deal. And then you can either take Kyrie Irving back or I would probably rather move Kyrie Irving to a third team for a Trevor Trove of draft picks. So they have a lot of options here. And I think it does make sense. You have a new coach, a new GM. It makes more sense to start over before the season starts. You don't want this drama with a brand new rookie head coach. But at the same time, the season starts in a month. Training camp starts in two weeks. You can't rush this. Because the last time we saw something like this where it was rushed was when James Harden was traded the first time. And all of a sudden they had this extension deadline and he's traded right at the eve of the season for – an okay package. Obviously, it looks like a hor- horrible package right now. It turned out to be, you know, draft picks that became Stephen Adams and Jeremy Lamb. And, you know, I think it was like uh, Christian Jones, not Christian Wood, Christian Jones. And I, uh, Terrence Jones, Terrence Jones. And I really don't believe that uh, they should rush this thing because the package you're going to get at the, ted- the deadline with Harden having two years left on his deal can't be much different than the package you'd get now. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, either way, the Rockets need to be retooling. Like I mentioned in the last podcast, the Rockets need to to move on for those guys. Um, and it looks like, you know, by the time this show is published, you know, Russell Westbrook may be traded. And it looks like the Hornets may be the ones, front runners to, to get him. So Westbrook in Charlotte, that'll be another crazy mix. So with the NBA draft coming tomorrow, we have a special guest, Eric Murray, director of scouting at Babcock Hoops. He will talk to us about who the Knicks should pick at number eight and some other NBA draft topics, you know, including some of his sleepers. Bunch of great insight. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining us, Derek. Before we get started, tell our listeners what you do as director of scouting at Babcock Hoops. So again, for Babcock Hoops, what Matt and I do is we focus on gathering as much information and intel as we can on these kids during the pre-draft process. Um, everything from scouting video during the year, I'm at a lot of college games during the season, so is he. Uh, kind of just depending on kind of where we are at that time, who's playing where, try to see the big games, and he goes to a lot of the preseason tournaments and whatnot. And then especially during this year's extended pre-draft, we've been at workouts a lot. Um, there was a, you know, a lot of a big time period where teams were not allowed to travel. They weren't allowed to go interview players. Their front offices were on basically a travel ban, if you will, for a little bit, just for safety reasons. So Matt and I very carefully planned our trips around the country. And we went to Phoenix, Atlanta, Las Vegas, Miami, uh, went all over the place, seeing these workouts, getting to know these agents and trainers and really getting to know these guys. And my favorite part of it was seeing who has improved during this process, because you know, some kids are just going to sit on their hands. Other kids are going to figure out how to get their body ready for the NBA level. Other guys are going to figure out, you know, what skills they want to develop more of. And I think that's been the coolest part of this process is just traveling and really getting to see, um, you know, what players are improving. And that's why people's stocks are going up and down. Uh, so 
Derek, we're huge NBA fans on this show, but obviously we're big Nick fans. And we saw your latest mock draft on Babcock Hoops. You have Isaac Okoro going eighth to the Knicks. Is that the guy they should be aiming for? Obviously they have lots of needs, but would you take Okoro here over guys like Halliburton and Killian Hayes? So based on our mock draft, again, if things go one through seven the way that we believe they will, Okoro will still be on the board. And that is absolutely the player I would take uh, if I'm the Knicks. I would entertain both Killian Hayes and Kyra Lewis if you wanted to go with a point guard position. But Okoro at that point, I believe, is the best player on the board, um, especially as a lockdown defender, NBA body. I mean, he, he's going to be, I see an Iguodala-like role on a championship team moving forward, you know, once he develops a couple years and gets older. What it will come down to is that number three pick. You know, Charlotte has been linked to LaMelo Ball. They have been linked to Onyeka Okongwu. And it depends on who you talk to quite frankly, in their organization, what direction we think they're going to go. If they take a Kongwu, I believe that Okoro has probably a less chance of getting to the Knicks because I think the Hawks would be in play for Okoro. If the, if the Hornets pick LaMelo Ball, I think Atlanta's going to take a Kongwu, probably be smart, and then that pushes Okoro down to the Knicks because I don't think he's on the radar for the Pistons right now. So again, if I'm a Knicks fan out there, I am watching that Charlotte pick very, very closely, because that's going to be, that will heavily influence who's there at eight. The big concern with Okoro right now is that jump shot. I've heard people say it could improve. I've heard others say it could, it's actually broken. I mean, obviously he's a young kid. It could always improve, but how do you see that progressing as he gets older? So I'm not going to call it broken, but I ever, I don't ever see him being some fantastic early three-point shooter either. I think with his work ethic, um, you know, his, his mechanics are fine. It, it, there's there's nothing about his shot where you say, all right, there's going to be a complete overhaul of, of this delivery. Uh, but you do draft him knowing you're going to have to surround, you know, him and Bear with other shooters. Because him and Bear shooting threes together, like, that's not going to be pretty for a little while. You're going to have to either at 27 get a point guard who can shoot or just take straight up wing shooters and, and um, you know, more offensive-minded guys to surround them with. But again, the concerns are absolutely there. But he's, he's a physical freak. He's in tremendous shape. He's got an NBA body. Um, and it has the potential, I think, in this class to be the number one lockdown defender in the entire class. And if he's there today, it's somebody I would still take. And I think the Knicks, being that they have a lot of holes, they could always use someone who can play defense and occasionally score on offense. I, I've personally been a big fan of Okoro. Um, um, we've also been fans of Kira Lewis. Um, you know, obviously to address that point guard spot, because one of the biggest needs that the Knicks have is, is that position. And it's been that way for many, many years. We've been having these journeyman point guards as, as leaders of the floor. And I think it's time to invest in somebody in the future anyway. Um, so, you know, there are bound to be sleepers in this, in this particular draft, because there are a lot of, you know, potential players who can blossom a little later on. And since we have little, uh, footage of them really in, 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 in college for a lot of the prospects. Uh, do you, who do you foresee as being a sleeper in this draft? I think depending on where he goes, Tyrell Terry is a guy that in three or four years we could look back and say, how did he fall this far? You know, some people have him mocked up in the lottery. I think he's probably an early to late first or in the 20s, early to late in that range. So I think he's a late first rounder. Um, concerns about his size, body, physicality, ability to, you know, handle the pick and roll by himself. But again, he's addressed his body a little bit. He's already put on, you know, 15 pounds. He's growing. 
He's extremely intelligent, a community oriented kid. Like people just like being around him. So depending if he fell back into the first round at the end, I think he would, I think we could give him the sleeper title in three or four years. Some second round guys I like. One is Jay Scrub from John Logan Community College. You know, Matt and I got to spend a couple of days with him in Atlanta with his trainer and agent, watched him work out. This kid is a legit 6'6", 6'10", wingspan, incredibly athletic. He's not raw in the sense of, like, he has all the physical tools, but we need to teach him how to dribble and shoot. But he's raw in the sense of he's used to being to, he's used to being the best player on the floor. He's used to being able to out-athlete all of his competition. So learning how to rotate on defense, not get beat back door, clean up some decision-making in the pick and roll and win, you know, shot selection. That's the kind of stuff you're, he's going to have to work on. Um, I could see some G League time for him. But as far as physical tools, a sleeper who probably isn't respected as much as he should be in this class, Jay Scrub is one of those guys for me. Eric, I've been very confused by these whole Patrick Williams hype train. It seems like he went from a guy in the 20s to a borderline lottery pick, and now it's a he's a surefire top 10 pick. You have him mocked seventh to Detroit in your latest mock draft. Can you explain to me how a guy can rise this quickly without playing in college games? Yeah, it's it's been kind of nuts how, how fast he has flown up boards. I do not believe he makes it past seven. Um, I think – lowest floor I don't think he makes it past the Spurs at 11 but again the Pistons are kind of where I draw the line like he's not going to get past there wow he's one of those guys where part of him flying up is teams talking themselves out of guys ahead of him so you have guys like uh Halliburton this one you know some guys have him in the top 10 we have him kind of near the back end of the lottery I think we have him at 10 to Phoenix right now He's one of those guys where if you really get in your own head and you worry about his physicality, the lack of creation, the shot being weird, you can transition that talk into, well, Patrick Williams is 6'8", 225, still 18 years old, got tree trunks for legs, can put it on the floor, can stretch it as a shooter. It's almost that thing where you, you overanalyze, you start talking yourself into players, and that's why people rise. Now, that is not to say that Williams, <laughs> Williams stock is just a figment of people's imagination, doesn't need to be there. I think he is worth a top 10 pick. Um, and a lot of a lot of the reason he wasn't knocked or wasn't rated top 10 during the year is that Florida State just doesn't play their guys a whole lot. So you don't have games where he played 30, 35 minutes and carried an offensive load. You were getting 15 to 18 minutes at a time with him. So it takes going through like the season and year of film to really decide that you love a guy who isn't getting that many minutes on a regular basis. Like if you send a scout to a game, you probably maybe you only got 15 minutes that day. It's hard to leave the definitive, this kid's a top 10 pick. That's all you see. So it takes time for that evaluation to become complete. Um, he's also apparently had some really good workouts, been with a good group, um, people around him. You know, they speak very highly of him. Leonard Hamilton speaks very, very highly of him. And when you're going to invest guaranteed money into these 18, 19-year-old kids, you're investing in the person as much as you are, what they can do with the basketball. And that's another thing where Williams, as far as until I have, I have no red flags. I have gotten zero calls or information on an untouchable list or, you know, things in his past or present that would sh make teams shy away. So when you have a kid who's versatile, NBA body, tall, long, can do pretty much anything you want on both ends of the floor. When it gets down to the nitty gritty and you have to decide who to pick, that's the kind of guy you like. So you briefly mentioned this, uh, I think, on your Twitter account where you've 
there are a lot of smoke screens that come out in during around this time. Is there anything you've seen around a particular player or is that just generally what you've found to be the case? So you see it every year. The one that gets me that cracks me up is that the Warriors have reportedly worked out and loved like 15 people. And that one just cracks me up. Um, that's just them trying to trade that number two pick. They need one of these teams to bite on a story that they liked and worked out a guy that, you know, someone lower than them was hoping to grab. Um, I'm trying to see. I don't think it's smoke, but the Kyra Lewis hype intrigues me. I was with him and his guys down in Miami. They believe he's going very high. I think he's easily a lottery talent, should go there. He's extremely fast, great kid. Like, enjoy talking with him and watching him work out. But you hear, oh, the Bulls love him at four. You hear the Pistons like him at seven. You hear the Suns like him at 10. The Knicks like him at eight. You know, whether that's all coming from the Bears team and the agents or whether that's coming from front offices trying to say, oh, no, we're going to take him to see if they can get a trade call. You know, that's what we really don't know what the truth is right now. And quite frankly, I don't even think the teams know what the truth is because they're probably just spewing stuff out as well. So, Kyra, I think there's a lot of smoke around him. A lot of the hype is well-deserved. Um, but I do wonder if all of these teams are just as interested as they're making it seem right now. Uh, so really quickly um, about the trades that happened in the middle of the night yesterday. The first, one of the first ones was the Robert Covington trade uh, to, to Portland. Uh, why do you think that's a great move for Portland? So if, if you look at them in this draft, they had pick number 16. And a lot of people thought that they really wanted a wing defender. You know, there was a lot of smoke with them and Josh Green. Uh, I'd heard that, you know, they really had their eye on Devin Vassell, possibly moving up. So if you're going to try to move up in this draft to get Devin Vassell, it's going to take pick 16 and likely a future first because Vassell's a heck of a basketball player. A lot of Vassell's comparison becomes Robert Covington. So if you can give up those same two first for a known commodity, you know, I'll always take the known commodity. Um, I think it's a fantastic trade for them. I also think it's good for Houston. They get two first. It's a little bit of a sign of things to come with the domino effect of, you know, kind of like when the Thunder traded Jeremy Grant last year, it was a, okay, you know, some more things are about to happen. You know, just if this happens, you know, it's, it's a sign. So I kind of read into that for Houston. But if you look at the Blazers roster now, uh, let me see what their cap looks like next year. I can find that. They're, they're close to the max. They're, yeah. they're, they're, close, they're high up there. <laughs> but, I mean, what they missed, what they were missing was a wing defender. Um, getting Nurkic back for a full season is going to make a huge impact on that team. They really missed him. And they did the best they could is, you know, bringing in makeshift guys to put together a makeshift roster. But with Nurkic, now you add Covington, you let him kind of float and almost be a safety on the floor. I mean, that makes him really, really good. And, and on the offensive side, he's not going to be asked to do too much. You know, Houston, they brought him. It's like, hey, I need, you to, I need you to hit threes. I think in Portland, it's going to be, hey, we're going to get the best out of you. Whatever you do well, like that's how we're going to use you. So I think it's not, not every day do you see a win-win, but that's what I would categorize this one as. Derek, you mentioned that the Rockets, this could be the sign of things to come like it was with Grant and the Thunder last year. Where do you see the best return coming from for the Houston side in a potential James Harden deal? I think the best return, best case scenario for them would be if they can move him to Philly and get Simmons back in that deal. That's just one of those where new coach, new front office, I have no clue what they're thinking. No one really does. Uh, I think the Nets thing, it has some serious smoke to it. It has some legs. And 
it wouldn't shock me if Harden ended up on the Nets. Now I've heard, does Kyrie Irving become a part of that deal? Yeah. I've heard, do you just go, you know, your Dinwiddie, Lavert, Allen, and three or four first to get that deal done? His his contract is so big that you're going to have to be creative if you want to move him. So that's the first aspect you got to do. You just don't know how much money. Like a lot of these teams are willing to give back. You're going to have to be creative, but I think Harden will probably be the be the next one to go. He is Derek Murray of Babcock Hoops. You can find him at D Murray NBA on Twitter. Thank you so much, Derek. Really appreciate you taking the time, and I hope you have a a great NBA draft. Nate, thank you so much again. Appreciate you guys having me on and um, thinking of me. You know, enjoy. It's it's finally it's it's like Christmas. You know, it's a yes. culmination yes. of a year's work. Tomorrow's a big day and. Again, thank you so much for letting me talk about it. Of course. We'll talk soon. Okay, Chris, let's get to our final thoughts. Derek Murray, he was awesome right there. Really excited to see how this NBA draft plays out. So we just heard from him talking about the Knicks, what they do at 8 and 27. Here's what I think is going to happen with the Knicks. I think if Obi Toppin is still on the board, I think he's going to be their number one target. I think he will be on the board if he gets past Cleveland at 5. I think he's the Knicks guy. Also look for your guy Desmond Bain and guard Peyton Pritchard for the Knicks as options at number 27. Yeah, there's a few guys that, um, you know, I think the wonder of this draft is that there's a lot of guys that we could potentially hit. Um, we don't know a lot about them. So even if we miss out on some of the names that we've mentioned throughout the show, um, there's enough mystery around these picks that we might be okay with it. I think that's the mindset most Knicks fans are, and NBA fans in general who are picking after three that, you know, you kind of have to be open-minded in, in what type of player that you get because they could easily turn into a star or role player or starter. So um, I would say everyone keep your open mind. And, you know, and with the Knicks especially, you know, it's going to be a developing year. Um, and It I, always is. Yes, it always is. But I'm very excited to see what Tibbs does, Tibbs, Tibbs does with it. So we'll see. As uh, as Derek told us, the draft kind of starts with Hornets at three. That's kind of where things get interesting. Can they get their guy Wiseman? Do they go with the you know a different big? Do they go Lamelo Ball? Do they trade down? It'd be really interesting to see there. Uh, another interesting guy that the Hornets, as you mentioned, are talking about is Russell Westbrook. And Chris, this is a really unique situation. He's a superstar caliber player, an MVP candidate, still in his prime. But he's 32 years old. He's had knee surgeries every, you know, 14 to 16 months. He's got $130 million left on, on his deal for the next three years. And he already is asking for a trade. So should a team trade for Russell Westbrook? And if so, should that team be giving up assets? No. Um, I think that if you're a team like the Knicks, you don't, you don't do that because, uh, you know, he would be a nice fit with New York, actually. I think he'd be a good stopgap star caliber player to have as we're rebuilding this roster. Uh, but we shouldn't be giving up first round picks or even second round picks for him. You know, here, here, Here's the proposed trade I'm going to give you. Ready? Oh, let's hear it. Julius Randle straight out for Russell Westbrook. Who says no? Should the Knicks say no to that? No, I think we should accept that. <laughs> Accept that. Okay. I do that. Because I think that's going to be along the lines of what the deal is. I heard uh, on Windhorse show today, he was talking about a platoon for a Westbrook swap. I mean, maybe they wind up both sides throwing in a couple of different interesting players, but for the most part, it's a salary dump. And 
it's interesting to me because we're coming up on a year where you really want to be at the top of this 2021 draft. The best thing the Knicks can do for the next 12 months is get to the top of that 2021 draft. Westbrook's a good player. So it's if he's here, there's a good chance that team is battling for an eight seed and they're not at the top of that draft. So is that what you want or is it time to just start moving forward? Oh, I think it's it's time to start moving forward, man. Well, I, I think you might be right. Again, if they can get Westbrook without, you know, taking on more bad contracts or, you know, without giving up draft picks, I think I'm all for it. But that's going to do it here on the All Hoops podcast. Amazing show. Chris will be back soon to talk about what happens in this NBA draft, along with what free agency will bring. Very exciting stuff. We thank Derek Murray of Babcock Hoops. You can follow him at NBA And Chris, we will talk soon. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know.